1: apartments.com apartments.com the place to find a place give me a good one
0: Bada burbum
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: what okay like full
1: confidence you're going to go with that one yeah okay no i love it you've booked a nice little room in a hostel it's on the second floor There are 35 other rooms on that floor, but that should be relatively easy to find, right? You go up to the top of the stairs, second floor. Okay, well, which room is it? Do I take a right? Do I take a left? But you realize it's not that easy. The minute that you start walking, you see a hallway and then another hallway. There ends up being like six different hallways. Some of them lead to dead ends. There are staircases that appear out of nowhere. That doesn't make sense. I mean, you don't really have an idea of like architecture, but this just feels off. Something about it makes you feel unsettled. Why, why would there be a staircase here? So your curiosity just overwhelms you. You go up this staircase, it's dark, it's dimly lit. And once you get to the top, there's nothing. There's not a door, there's not a hallway, it's just a wall, nowhere to go. You have to go back down. And the whole time that you're getting back down to the second floor, you can't help but think, why Why would there be a staircase leading nowhere? That seems, that seems dumb fiscally irresponsible I mean staircases take money to put in so odd this place is odd so you start roaming around the second floor again you take a left but somehow you end up right back where you started then you start walking a little bit more the hallway slanted at turns so you have to duck a little bit to get through okay this is too much I just want to get to my room maybe I'll go up to the third level because I think that the owner's office is up there so I'm just gonna ask the owner this is embarrassing dude but can you please show me to my room so you take the stairs up to the third floor And again, more hallways, more doors, you open up a door and it's a room. Hello, is anyone in here? And you walk in and the floor underneath you falls out. You fall into the second floor and you look up and the floor was fake. It was a trap door. But now, now you're sitting in this windowless, doorless, exitless room. Wait, what's that smell? This gas starts pumping into this airtight, tiny little quarters and you start feeling dizzy. And the door opens. You're greeted with a man in a suit. And he tips off his hat. And you realize you're staring at H.H. H. Holmes. Yes, bitch. We're doing the H.H. H. Holmes case. Okay, Wait, I'm well, so confused
0: <laughs> Wait what's happening You're, Do you um, know
1: H.H. H. Holmes Okay so this guy He's a serial killer I'm sure a lot of you guys Have heard about him Or vaguely know about him He is He's kind of dubbed America's first serial killer In 2021 A lot of people will argue That Christopher Columbus Is actually America's first serial killer But that's neither here Nor there right now Okay so we're talking about H.H. H. Holmes And he was famous for having this Hotel of horrors A murder castle Where hallways just led to dead ends There were trap doors There were air airtight rooms with these gas vents that would just pump this intoxicating gas into your room and he would murder people it's suspected that he might have over 200 victims we're talking about his hotel of horrors let's get started okay (laughs)
0: we talked about a hotel before right which one the guy who has like an attic he will stalk women. We'll oh at-
1: yeah yeah, the, the voyeur dude A little bit different Very okay. different Yeah that one um, That one is very true crime But more of like A sexual pervert And don't get me wrong H.H. H. Holmes I suspect Was a raging Sexual pervert But he was uh, A massive serial killer Like an insane mm. one So he's kind of Considered the most Prolific murderer Known in criminal history This takes place In the 1800s Don't click away Okay I know it's an old case But I swear it's worth it So just stick on For the ride He was a serial killer before the word itself was coined like a hundred years later. I mean, this is absolutely nuts because of how many times the story has been told. I do need to put a quick little disclaimer. Okay. There are some things that I could find, you know, maybe four sources say this and then two sources say this in this variation. It was complex. There's a lot. And I feel like every time that it's told, it's exaggerated a little bit for, you know, documentary purposes. Everyone wants it to be a little bit creepier, a little bit scarier. So just take this episode with a grain of salt. It's just gonna be a fun one okay all of this takes place in chicago so let me just set the scene for you because i'm taking you to the 1880s 1890s chicago is still one of the biggest cities in the united states Yes, correct. But back then, it was like the biggest. Like, you could come from New York City, go to Chicago, and you would tell someone from Chicago, oh, I just came here from New York City. I just I just came by train. They would look at you and say, well, how's the suburbs, Debbie? How's the suburbs, Karen? They just, they would look down on you. This was the city to be in. It was the best city. It was known as the most American of American cities. That's how people described it. Everyone wanted to migrate to Chicago. If you were an entrepreneur, this was the place to be. This was the only place that you could expect to make some big money because it had that much opportunity so you had doctors you had pharmacists you had all these amazing people just migrating to chicago and there was one interesting thing about it that almost made people have this emotional attachment to chicago which was the great chicago fire this happened in the 1870s like the entire city was burnt down just burst into flames. Now, Chicago is also called the Windy City, so the wind just blew the flames from one wood building to another wood building and another. It even passed the river, that's how windy it was, and just blew through the entire downtown. I mean, it took forever. It took forever to put out this fire. And when they looked, it was just piles of wood, piles of ash everywhere. But for some reason, somehow, all of these people from Chicago were able to come together, rebuild all all of these beautiful buildings. And within a decade, it had one of the biggest populations in the United States. This did not, back in the day, this is something that could kill an entire population. It could kill an entire town and it would never be the same again. But they rose better than ever. So people thought, okay, well, this is like this emotional attachment. Chicago is this phoenix rising from the ashes. What kind of city is like this? None. No other city is like Chicago. It was actually even the birthplace of the Pinkerton National Detective Agency. It was founded by Alan Pinkerton. The company logo is like the Illuminati eye. Just like a straight up eye looking straight at you. The the motto for this company is we never sleep.
0: Okay, I don't like that. Okay, what
1: do, you, <laughs> what do you think they do, right? At one point, this was one of the largest private law enforcement agencies in the entire world. Let's say you have this company. Someone stole from you. You could either maybe contact city officials or you could hire your own private investigator, aka the Pinkerton National Detective Agency, and they would get you your criminal faster, quicker, with probably less expenses. So this was straight up. I mean, I can't think of one PI detective agency that's that big right now that's private it's not like state local or federally owned right
0: um hello
1: you rotten uh, mango no <laughs> oh anonymous? true crime oh anonymous but you can't like hire them like i can't go on a website and be like hello anonymous please help me find out who's leaving this hate comment <laughs> i <I'm> kidding <laughs> i wouldn't do that to you guys okay <laughs> So it said that the Pinkerton National Detective Agency, that's a mouthful, laid the framework for the FBI and the CIA. So think of it as they were doing positions that would later be taken over by these government agencies. That's how intense they were. They actually had more detectives at one point than the U.S. had military people. Like, I'm talking all the branches. Yeah, so it was huge. They had agencies all over the place. They were actually the secret service for Abraham Lincoln before there was a secret service because this was during the war. So everyone in the South was trying to kill Abraham Lincoln. They actually prevented multiple assassination attempts, obviously not the last one, but multiple before he died. They prevented it. I mean, it's kind of crazy. They're kind of wild, and they helped bring down H.H. Holmes, America's first serial killer. It's wild. Fun fact, do you know how people say PI, like P I, the acronym? Um private it was Yeah, so it's it's coined in a book allegedly, in a fiction book back in the day, and it was inspired by private investigator, but some people think that the author was inspired by the I logo of Pinkerton. So like the Pinkerton I
0: ah pink eye
1: yeah (laughs) yeah so like a play on the words of private investigator but also pinkerton eye but obviously that's not how you spell eye you get it so where are we going with this hh holmes who is this guy why does he sound so mysterious what does the h and the other h stand for that's actually not his real name his birth name was herman webster mudgett which honestly is not the coolest serial killer name herman webster mudgett that's his How name. is
0: that translate to H H Holmes?
1: Because he feels like it's not cool enough. Oh, so he, he changes changed it. it. Yeah, he uh. straight up changes it. So we're going to call him Holmes for the rest of this. But he was born in New Hampshire in this tiny, tiny little town, like a teeny town. Even in 2010, the population was 3,700 people. He's the third child. And his childhood was probably normal at the time. I mean, he was beat by his dad. They were a very religious family. He, His dad was like a jack of all trades, a farmer, a trader, a house painter. He just did the absolute most. And his mom, she was super submissive to the husband. Just let him beat the kids. Just let them go to church nonstop. That was kind of the deal. Herman hated this. He hated every part of this deal. He hated the fact that his dad beat him. He hated the fact that his mom didn't do anything. He just hated everything about this small town. He wanted big things. He wanted to go out and make a shit ton of money. That was his ultimate dream. And it was in this little town that he hears about the great Chicago fire and he was mesmerized. I mean, he couldn't stop thinking to himself, how big was this destruction? How bad was it? How many people died? And he had this reoccurring fantasy. What if my parents died there? What if my parents were trapped in the flames? The fire would just burn them alive. Can you imagine the screams? Can you imagine the smell of that? They would die and I would finally be free. This is interesting because Holmes was allegedly known for burning people alive later. So I don't don't know. This is all very troubling stuff. But again, nobody knew that anything was wrong with this kid because if anything, the one thing that Herman... Holmes was constantly told was that he was going to be somebody someday and they always said you've got a boy with a head on him a lad with a future these are high compliments back in the day and he was really smart like above average intelligence that's how everyone described him successful at school very polite very well mannered he just had this grace about him even when he was young like the way that he held himself the way that he walked he seemed way mature for his age so people were really impressed he had the look of a gentleman and because he was loved by a lot of adults got good grades the teachers freaking liked him he was bullied a lot and it seemed that maybe he had a some sort of lazy eye problem that's what some sources said some sources did not say that he had a lazy eye so it's just kind of confusing and they bullied the crap out of him these childhood kids they do not play so they bullied him and there were a few traumatic instances in his childhood that were just strange so when he's like five he runs to the town doctor A lot of the kids in the area hated going to this town doctor and it's not just because it's the doctor and the doctor sucks when you're a kid but there was this rumor going around that the skeleton that was hanging in this doctor's office like you know those medical skeletons was actually that of a real human and not a fake medical prop so you're like did you know that's probably one of his he probably killed him maybe that's his wife well oh he has a wife maybe that's his first wife and he killed the wife they had all of these theories that's a real human no i swear I I saw it move, actually, the other day. (laughs) Like, they had all of these crazy rumors. So when he gets there, he sees two older kids from school that happen to be absolute bullies, and they're just hanging out. He walks in, and they decide this is a crime of opportunity. These two older kids, they just grab him, drag him into the room right next to this allegedly real human skeleton. Remember this story because it's going to come back, okay? And he starts screaming his face off. He's just sobbing, like tears running down his face. And they start holding him down and trying to hug him with the skeleton's arms like giving him a deadly embrace and the doctor comes in and he's like oh my god what are you guys doing yells at the older boys they run out and holmes is just left on the ground bawling now this is weird because he said this was the day that his fascination with anatomy just kick-started i mean he became obsessed with anatomy
0: it's always like that
1: yeah don't bully people because you never know when they'll become serial killers
0: No, no, no. no.
1: Oh, not that. (laughs) That
0: that also, but a lot of time, like, they have these kind of crazy interaction with these type of things. And then they just get inspired.
1: You would think it would make him hate it. But uh, he gets really inspired. So he would constantly go to the doctor and ask for more information about human anatomy. And the doctor was impressed. The whole town was impressed. This guy's smart. Maybe he'll become a doctor or something. He's picking up this information super quick. So there was another instance that he's hanging out with this local photographer. So he's like taking pictures of the woods. And he sits down and he puts down his camera. And the photographer lifts up his pants and takes off his prosthetic leg. And Holmes is just standing there and he's like 10, just jaw dropped. What are you doing? The guy's like, what do you mean? I'm just taking it off. It hurts a little bit. He's like, what? What even is that? Where is the rest of your leg? I mean, this is the first time that he's seen this and he becomes so fascinated with body parts. And particularly this moment sparked his fascination with dismemberment. You're looking at me like that sounds crazy, but like I'm telling you, it's, you know, that's what they said happened. So he starts gathering up these little animals. Now, this is where the story gets fuzzy. Some people say that he was wildly abusive to these animals. Some people say that he absolutely loved animals. He starts doing these secret medical experiments on salamanders and frogs and then to rabbits, cats, stray dogs. There was a rumor that he had stolen his like neighborhood dogs, like actual pets. Like working dogs. He didn't want to kill them, though, because that would be boring. So what he would do is he would get these chemicals and try to put them under anesthesia almost like he was a surgeon. So he'd put them under, cut them open, take out the organs, take out the bones and then stitch them up and they'd be dead. This was just like his thing. He he didn't want to kill them first. He wanted to put them under before he starts taking out all of these things. Once he was done, he would keep a skull. It said that he kept like cat's paws in a box, in a little treasure box. Bizarre kid. He would spend all day studying and then go dissect all of these live animals. I mean, this is a strange kid that we're talking about. I have just added something new to our bedroom, to our bed specifically. And it's been, it's been kind of fun. It's been different. It's been exciting, honestly, and I'm obsessed with it. Okay, it's my new Helix wedge pillow. Listen, I've got a Helix mattress that I've been obsessed with and I've been raving about and nonstop talking about to anyone that brings up the concept of sleep. I'm like, what kind of mattress do you have? Do you have a Helix mattress? This is me nonstop, okay? But I recently got their pillow and wow, what was I waiting for? It's amazing. If you guys are like me and you are a side sleeper or maybe you're just someone who needs better sleep at night, I really recommend checking out Helix mattresses, anything from Helix Sleep. So the way that it works is that they have this quiz that just takes two minutes to complete, and it matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress that's made for someone else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress that's perfect for the way that you sleep, because I'm a side sleeper, so I need a side sleeping mattress. It relieves the tension on my shoulders, on my hips, and I just wake up in a way better mood. Everybody is unique, and Helix knows that, so they have several different mattresses models to choose from. I mean, they have soft, medium, firm mattresses, whatever you're looking for, okay? And maybe you sleep hot. They got a mattress that's great for cooling you down. Maybe you're interested in a Helix Plus mattresses for plus size sleepers. I mean, I took the Helix quiz and I was matched with the Moonlight Luxe mattress. I wanted something that's like medium, firm. I sleep on my side and I almost Never wake up in the middle of the night anymore. This used to be a reoccurring theme in my life, but no more. I sleep like a baby. And the mattress comes shipped right to your door for free. You don't ever have to go to a store again. Here's the coolest part. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I'm pretty sure that you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com rotten. That's helixsleep.com com slash rotten for up to two hundred dollars off and two free pillows and he had one friend One friend named Tom, and this was his best friend. Everyone saw them together. Maybe Tom knew about his little treasure box. We don't know because it didn't last long. One day they're hanging out. They're walking through the streets. They see this abandoned house. Now he's thinking to himself, hey, Tom, why don't we climb to the top of that house? That seems like a fun thing to do. And of course, these boys are like, yes, let's do it. They start climbing and climbing and climbing, and we don't know what happens at that top of the house, but we do know that the end result is Tom mysteriously falls to his death and is laying dead on the ground while holmes is looking down on him from the top of this house did he slip was he pushed was this an accident was it his first murder we have no idea
0: how old was he
1: he was like early teenager i believe Holmes on top of that made it even more suspicious because he didn't seem to mourn his best friend at all. He was so happy to have time alone, he thought maybe, oh, now that Tom's gone, I can dissect more animals. I have more free time to learn about human anatomy. So back in the 1800s, Children didn't kill other children. I feel like in 2021, if this situation took place, there would be 55 million TikTok conspiracies about, oh, my God, did this friend kill the friend? Did they push each other off? But back then they were like, kids are kids. He would never do that. Nobody suspected it until later on in Holmes' life. So he grows up. He turns 17 years old and he meets this woman by the name of Clara. And the next morning, so he meets her at night and the next morning he proposes marriage to her. I think he's a little weird. I think that this happened in the 1800s, but I do think that Holmes is a little bit weird. And she accepts it. They get married. They have this beautiful, cute little family started. She gets pregnant. They have a kid together. And then he decides, I don't really like this. Like, I want to dissect people. What am I doing? Like, I'm in this I'm in this marriage and I don't get to dissect anything. What is this? He applies for medical school and he gets in. So he starts studying human dissection and anatomy. His main mentor, his main professor was the head of anatomy. And this guy would just let Holmes do whatever he wanted because he saw, he saw this star pupil in front of him. So he said, whatever you need, I'm going to be here for you because I think, I think you're going to be a great doctor one day. So Holmes said, well, if you insist. So he started taking these cadavers home with him. So at this medical college, they have dead bodies everywhere. So you're supposed to dissect them. It's for knowledge. It's for education. But Holmes, he was like, okay, fine. I want to do this at home. He would put them into a little bag and take these dead bodies home with them where he would dissect them, mutilate them. I mean, he would just do violent things to these corpses. Yeah.
0: Just okay. straight
1: up do violent so things. What, what
0: exactly is he into? He's into.
1: He's into anatomy in terms of like dissecting, cutting people, seeing how the limbs break and I fall and get sawed off, I guess, organ placement. All of that. He's just so into it. So he starts doing this for entertainment at first. And then he slowly realizes, wait, I can kill two birds with one stone. I don't need to just do this for the fun of it. I can do this for money. So he sets up these fake life insurance policies on fake people that don't exist. Now, back then, there's no Facebook. There's no, you know, IDs, really. So you could get away with it. So he goes to an insurance agent and he says, well, I want to get a life insurance on my wife. Then he would take a female cadaver bring it home, mutilate this woman's body, make her face unrecognizable. And then this this wife would die. This random woman would die. Mm-hmm. So you'd call up the insurance agency. Oh my God, she's dead and I'm the sole benefactor. What do I do? They would come look at the body and back then they could only identify you by your family. So your family would come in and say, oh yeah, that's my, that's my brother. They'd give you the life insurance. That was it.
0: Okay, so they don't care how she died
1: i mean not really so i mean she's dead so they, they look at her body she's dead it was a horrible accident there's acid in her face maybe it was a kitchen explosion that makes sense <laughs> things were exploding all the time back in the day kitchens were dangerous back then okay so they're like that makes sense here's all the money so they would give him money then the next day he'd be like oh my god my friend's dead my best friend, John, that he just got life insurance. Crazy. Anyway, I'm the sole benefactor. Look at his body. And it's this mutilated man. Of course, it was a different, you know, life insurance agency. And I guess none of them talked to each other because apparently this worked. So he would get a lot of money from this. Just mutilating corpses, getting life insurance. It's bizarre.
0: Yeah, it's bizarre.
1: And it seemed like he had a good run in Michigan until he decides to flee town. Um, this happened abruptly and there's kind of rumors about it. It's, the rumor is that he was seen with this little boy who just like vanished into thin air. And he was the last one seen with this boy
0: the boy has gone too yeah
1: the boy is gone so people are wondering okay well did Holmes do something to this boy and he's not waiting around to get caught is that why or is it just a coincidence why is he hanging out with this little boy we don't even know so he flees and Clara his first wife uses this as a moment of a getaway I mean she had been in this emotionally abusive relationship sometimes physically abusive she's sick of Holmes I mean this guy sucks so she takes her baby with her and goes back to her family now they didn't officially divorce because she was so scared of Holmes she couldn't even ask for that. Can
0: and, you can yeah. you imagine the trauma your husband every day just like cutting up bodies I in, the cannot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, in the kitchen? Yeah, in the kitchen, yeah, or like on the dining table, and you're just watching. Could you even eat after that?
0: Yeah, that's 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 his hobby, you know.
1: I was also thinking, like, um, you know, autopsy technicians and stuff, uh, yeah. medical examiners. When they look at humans, do they just envision like bags of meat inside of you? Because I wonder maybe they yeah can. i
0: also wonder like plastic surgeons
1: do they just wonder what they can do to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> like or, i would totally fix your nose exactly
0: do they just see like Ugh.
1: this lip is crooked <laughs> i think so so they don't officially divorce which seems to be a thing for holmes he doesn't really like to do anything the right way he doesn't like to tie up loose ends he's gonna get married frequently and never divorce any of these women which is super illegal So he first afterwards moves to Philadelphia and gets a job as a druggist, a.k.a. a pharmacist. Now, one of the prescriptions that he made caused a woman to drop dead. So he's like, oh, my God. Okay, I gotta go. Because I straight up poisoned this woman. I don't want to find out what happens later. And besides, I don't think that I'm guilty with it. You know, I'm a pharmacist. How was I supposed to know that she was going to drop dead? So then he reinvented himself and he changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes. Now, he would constantly change up the H's in this. Sometimes he would present himself as Harry, Howard, Harvey, Harvey.
0: Wait what He'd just change up All the H's
1: Yeah Whatever he wanted Just change up the H Because he would He would constantly Change his name Sometimes it wouldn't Even be an H name He'd Uh. be like Hi I'm Avery Avery Smith so mm-hmm. he would constantly do this. He arrives in Chicago. He abandoned his first wife and he arrives at a Dr. E.S. Holton's drugstore. There was a couple that owned it. Now, this is kind of debated. Was the couple killed? Were they not killed? We don't know. The husband had been struck with cancer. The owner of this pharmacy had been stu- struck with cancer and the wife, he, she was taking care of him. She was running downstairs because they lived on top of the drugstore and she'd be running downstairs when a customer came in. I mean, business was booming. Like I mm-hmm. said, Chicago was booming. That was the problem. Business was so busy that she had not even a wink of sleep. I mean, she's taking care of her husband, running downstairs, running the pharmacy. Exhaustion. So in walks this man that she's never met before. She knows all the locals. She knows all the customers. And he looks so sharp. That's the first thing that she noticed. I mean, the suit was perfectly tailored. It looked like it was, his, it was sewn on to his body. He had this wonderful top hat. Oh, yeah, they wore top hats. And he would courteously take it off and kind of like do a little do a little side bow every time a woman walked by. And these women would walk by again because they're like, who is this hot man with such polite manners? And why does he look so rich? What's going on right now? So he walked in and she's thinking, wow, hopefully he buys something, you know, because I'm, I'm wasting my time. Maybe he's going to buy something big. Maybe he's going to buy a lot of things. This guy looks so nice. I mean, he's doesn't got this-
0: she just sell drugs? Yeah so he was like oh he needs all the drugs he needs
1: all the drugs i mean look at that mustache he had this really intense mustache that was perfectly groomed he's got these piercing blue eyes i mean the silky brown hair dressed impeccably but he said that he's not a customer he actually wants to apply for a position as a druggist he recently moved into the area and he's looking for work do you need an assistant ma'am i mean it's an awfully busy story Is, is it just you And she's like, oh my God, it just so happens that I've been desperate. Okay, you don't even, she unloads on him. She's like, my husband's upstairs. He's sick with cancer and I'm running this thing. I'm not even licensed drugist. Like I, I I mean, this is, I'm so exhausted. You're hired. She hires him on this spot she doesn't even check his background but she knew that the first day that he showed up to work that she made the right decision because the way that he worked i mean he had these long fingers that were so careful they moved with such precision i mean truly like a surgeon's hands is i guess how people would describe it he was so meticulous nothing was shaky when he was measuring these drugs everything was done with such perfection i mean he was amazing at his job how did she get so lucky that's how she just kept thinking and then slowly, the business gets even better and better. I mean, she thought that this business tapped out, but she was wrong. Because once they had a hot pharmacist in town, I mean, there was a line out the door of women who suddenly had symptoms of just everything, okay? Women would walk in and say, Oh my God, Dr. Holmes, I have this sudden urge to just show a hot young gentleman with a nice suit and a top hat and my left boob. I mean, I don't know what kind of symptom this is, but... Don't you think I should take something for it?
0: Honey, that's a different website. Okay. Okay,
1: sorry. <laughs> There'd be people walking in like, Oh my gosh, I just have this I just have this dire need to cook, you know, twenty five apple pies for a handsome young man like yourself. It's a symptom. What do I do? Just like flirting with this guy. Mm. Just completely no shame in the game throwing themselves on him and he was good at it he received it he flirted back he was a smooth talker he just made each woman feel so special to the point where the next lady they would walk in and they had heard everything that he had just said to the woman before Mm -hmm. but then she'd walk out being like oh yeah no he likes me Mm -hmm. that was mm -hmm. there was a connection there Like, that's how good he was, okay? When he wasn't working, the whole neighborhood fell more in love with him because he would just walk around with his little walking stick. He had a walking stick, okay? This guy's in his 20s with a full walking stick, completely, and he's able bodied, by the way, completely decked out in a suit, would, you know, stop to tip his hat at the ladies passing, just very charismatic, everything about it. And a few months in, Holmes offers to buy the drugstore. Now, this is where the stories kind of divide between the sources. Some say that the husband, you know, was cured of cancer or never had cancer and Holmes buys the drugstore. They move off to a new land where they're going to be happier. And then the other story goes like this the wife's husband has recently passed, she's left with this store. That's just a lot, you know, Holmes is running it for now. But how long is he going to stay? I mean, she's way in over her head. So she decides, Okay, you're right. I like you. So I'm going to sell it to you on the condition that I can live upstairs. This is the place that I shared with my husband. I don't really want to move. So you would still have to board uh, wherever you're boarding. And I'm going to stay upstairs. So he says, okay yeah, let's sign a contract, sign the deed over to the pharmacy. I'll put a small down payment and I start running the business. And how about every single month I give you more and more money, right? Until the full amount is paid. Cause I'm a little bit strapped for cash, but the pharmacy is making a lot of money. So she's like, I mean, I do really like you. So that sounds good. She signs this contract. And the next day, the sign is changed downstairs to HH Holmes drugstore. And he starts running this. But the problem is, The problem is he stops making these payments to pay for the drugstore to fully own it. So she she's starting to get annoyed. I mean, you changed the name already. You're not paying me. I I got ripped off and I'm living upstairs and I I have no money because this is what I was counting on. You need to pay me. If you don't pay me, I'm going to get an attorney involved. So the next couple weeks go by and these women would come in with their dresses and they'd say, oh, Dr. Holmes, this is how I'm feeling. Oh, by the way. Where did Mrs. Holton go? I haven't seen her around. Oh, she was so sad that she moved to California to be with her family. Oh, poor woman. Yeah, she was in love with her husband. Anyways, thank you so much for the medicine. Like, they just didn't care. Mm -hmm. People believed the story. It made sense. And she was never heard from again. Besides, I mean, all the women, they were really busy just trying to be his wife, okay? Now, this is not me shaming these women. This was a time period where that that was what you had to do to survive, okay? This is just, this is the game. And it just seemed crazy that Dr. Holmes wasn't married yet. Does it make sense? So a few months after that, out of nowhere, Holmes announces to the community that he has married a woman by the name of Murda Z. Belknap. And she's got this long, beautiful blonde hair, these brown eyes. She had this baby face, just super smooth. That's how everyone describes it. I'm like, it's a really weird description of someone they met during one of his business trips. And within a month, they were married. And she was like the opposite of him. She was very quiet. She was shy. A lot of people said that she was not nearly as charming or as charismatic. I don't know if this is jealousy or if this is the truth, but that's just kind of how they described it. So she starts working in the pharmacy, but business starts slowing down because of her. Because he can no longer flirt with these women. Not because she was bad at her job, because that was the charm of the place. So H.H. Holmes is like, well, you can't work here anymore, girl. You got to go upstairs, just be a housewife, just start cleaning and shit because I got to flirt with these people. I got to flirt. I got to get my flirtation on. And he only got more seductive towards these clients afterwards. There would be so many occasions where people would walk in and there would be a full on fight happening. Murda would be screaming like, how dare you? And Holmes would be like, get out of here. It's just business. Just nonstop screaming downstairs in the pharmacy. So right when they're about to break up, which, by the way, divorce is nearly impossible. So they probably wouldn't have divorced. She gets pregnant. And instead of working it out or trying to get a divorce, he sent her to live with her family and raise the child there. He would send money, he would visit occasionally, and Murda, for whatever reason, still seemed to love him. And the sadness of this all is that she didn't know that they were not legally married at all. So technically, she could have lived an okay life, like she could have married someone else. On paper, she was never married before. There could have been a man out there for her. But she genuinely thought that she was ruined at this point, because, you know, the 1800s. But he was still married to his first wife, Clara, legally speaking. Now, the drugstore, he's still running it. It's nice, but this isn't his dream. His dream is really to own this massive mansion, almost like a hotel, It would be three floors. The first floor would be retail shops, maybe a pharmacy there. And then the second floor would be maybe 35 rooms for people to board like a hostel. And then the third floor would have more rooms. But there would be something special about this one. Something that people just couldn't put their finger on, you know? He had this blueprint in his mind. He had all these contraptions in his mind and he was ready. Who's ready to start doing this. He was ready to start making a killing off of this murder. Mansion is what it will be called later, but he just, he didn't have enough money. I mean, this takes money to construct a thing like this. So he starts thinking, how can I get more money? This drugstore is nice, but it's not given me enough. And then two things really push him over the edge. The first being that right across the drugstore, there's this plot of land for sale. It's the perfect piece of land. I mean, this is the place where he really envisions his little murder castle. It's got to happen. So that is one. And then the second is that all over the news, internationally, there was something breaking, some groundbreaking news on the other side of the world in London. There was a killer on the loose. He was going around killing sex workers, slashing their throats, mutilating their private parts, stabbing them, cutting off their breasts, placing the breasts next to them, disemboweling them, cutting out their entire reproductive, like their vulva, their organs, all of that. And his name was Jack the Ripper. And even in America, all eyes were on Jack the Ripper, because people wanted to know more i mean even in the 1800s listen there should have been a true crime podcast back then right people want to know more they want to shake their heads and say something like this would never happen in the great country of america you know london there's some shady parts of london it's too big of a city but in america we're all just hard-working farmers here like we're a quaint little country little did they know a man in chicago was working on a blueprint a murder mansion, a Wait, hotel so of torture.
0: When he saw that news, when you he heard that news, yes, his reaction was what? I'll do this, or that's
1: what people suspect. Now there is a conspiracy at the end of this podcast where people think that H. H. Holmes and Jack the Ripper were one of the same. They were the same person. What? So there's that conspiracy. We'll get to that in the end. But a lot of people suspect that this kind of pushed him over to the edge to be like, you know what? I need to make some news. I need to do what I I have always dreamt of doing. So in comes this man by the name of Benjamin Jr. Pitzel. And this guy's important. He was dating an 18-year-old by the name of Carrie. And they, they get married. They start having children. They had five full kids. That's a lot of kids. And they were having a really difficult time putting food on the table. I mean, Benjamin was like this attractive guy. He seemed to love his wife. So what's the problem? Is he, is he lazy? Well, he was a bit of an alcoholic. Okay, so he couldn't really hold down a job. The other only problem was that he had this really big growth on the back of his neck. I don't know why people kept pointing that out. In a lot of sources they did. So he had this growth on the back of the neck. I don't know if that's like a con or something. He just had a hard time holding down a job. I feel like everything that's happened in the past year or two, my style has evolved a little bit. Sometimes I just want to wake up in the morning and put on something that feels nice. Like it could be a simple white tee or a pair of jeans, but when I put it on my body, I love like the softness of the fabric. I love that it feels high quality. It just looks so put together. And Everlane is one of my favorite places to do my shopping for that. Everlane is cool because they have clothing that has exceptional quality and it's ethically made. They work with ethical factories and they have radically transparent pricing since 2010. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Most retailers, they hide their markups. You have no idea, but Everlane believes Believes that their customers have the right to know how much their clothes cost to make. In fact, if you go on their website right now, they share how much their products cost to produce at every single stage. They do extensive research and vetting to use ethical factories that provide fair wages and reasonable hours to skilled people who craft their clothing. So you can feel really good about this. And the best part is they have really good designs. I love their new linen collection. It just feels so good for summer. It's light, it's breathable and it's comfortable. But at the same time, I look so put together for my Zoom meetings. I really do. So if you guys are looking for that upgrade in your summer uniform, whether you guys are going out on town with your friends, maybe you just need like a nice pair of hugging jeans. Their denim is amazing and comfortable. They've got all the everyday essentials that you need. They even have super soft loungewear. I like to try on my clothes just to make sure so they accept returns within 30 days of the ship date and all uniform clothing comes with a 365 day guarantee. So go to everlane.com rotten and sign up for 10% off your first order plus free shipping and get easy returns within 30 days of your ship date that's 10% off your first order when you go to everlane.com slash rotten and sign up so he gets hired to be a construction worker for hh homes on this new house this three-story work live just kind of like a an amazing space it's got this gothic vibe to it He's excited. He's like, wow, this might be the next job for me. Like, this is going to be the best job ever. It's going to be fun. He would actually later become Holmes's henchman. And he was called Holmes's creature.
0: Oh, my God. That's how people
1: call him, right? He would just be like the physical power of everything. He would just kind of look mean on the side. I mean, he seemed like a nice person, just looked really tough, looked a bit rough. Now, this was going to be a crazy construction, even though it's not a 12-story building. It's only a three-story building. It's going to take up the entirety of the lot. Like, imagine buying a piece of land and there's no grass. Like, you're just building from corner to corner of this lot. That's it. Every inch of it almost. So the bottom floor, like I said, is going to be open to the public. They're going to have jewelry shops. They're going to have a pharmacy. All of these amazing just, you know, public things. The second and third floors were going to be residential and for rooms for people to board in, to rent out. Now, there were a couple strange things about this construction and only one of them was noticed by the public. It usually, I mean, it doesn't take that long to build a building. Even a structure like this, it would take maybe people six months to build. But this one was taking one and a half years that's a really long time Mm -hmm. and the more they look at it i mean it's they're trying to understand it but I, I, i just i don't think i've ever seen a chimney there before it's just a weird place to put a chimney i mean i don't know how chimneys work but i mean something about this house is odd Another thing that nobody noticed until later is that the construction workers were constantly changing. They would only last like a week or two and then they would be completely replaced. So there were close to 500 people that worked on the house. By the end of the, the construction Which wow. is intense So the first theory is that it obviously helped save money Holmes would hire people to paint And then when they were two-thirds done He would throw this huge fit It's disgusting, you ruined my construction You're lucky that I'm not slapping a lawsuit on your face For this disgusting Get out of my house And so he wouldn't pay them Most of his house was done for free Because he kept doing this Just nonstop. <sighs> So he didn't pay for a ton of the work. So they were fired before they were paid. He would make it seem like it was their fault. And then secondly, I mean, we know this now, but nobody knew it back then. It was a deliberate plan because by the time that this building was done, only homes would know the real layout of this place. Only homes knew which rooms led to what, how many rooms there were, where were the trap doors, the secret hallways, the peepholes. Only he would know everything. He would even scam for furniture. So he bought this huge vault, like a bank vault. So he bought it on credit and said, I'm going to pay the rest back. You know, I'm going to mortgage it or whatever, like put it on a loan. But he obviously didn't pay it back, right? So the sellers are like, okay, then fine. I'm going to come into your house and I'm going to take the vault back. We're going to repossess it. But when they get there, he had constructed a room perfectly around the vault and this tiny little door that the vault could not pass through. (laughs) So he says, you're more than welcome to take the vault. But I can assure you, if you leave even one dent, one scratch on this construction, I'm going to sue the shit out of you. Well,
0: wow, you put a lot of thoughts into yeah, this. Yeah,
1: there was actually a model who did that. And I don't think that she did this knowingly, but there was like, um, ah, this is a very fascinating story. There was like this, uh, this con man, I guess is what you could call him, who gifted a Victoria's Secret model this beautiful piano. I think it was like worth hundreds if not like a million dollars and this supermodel had a room constructed around the piano to show the grandness of it it was like this dome room and the piano there's no way they can take it out they mm-hmm. can't get it through the door they can't get it through the window they can't crane it out without lifting the roof out of the house yeah. and so when they found out that this guy is a con man and he had conned all of these people they want to get all of these possessions back including the gifts that he gave to people are you
0: talking Miranda about Miranda
1: Curran the, the, the guy what's that guy's name
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. and so you know when they came to repossess the piano they couldn't So they had to leave it. I don't know if they got it back after maybe she sold the house. This is like a while back. Maybe she still has it. Maybe the house has been sold. I don't know. Okay. Side note, I am not saying that Miranda Kerr did this on purpose because the room is beautiful. I see a reason why she did that. But for the bank vault, he did it completely on purpose. So let's talk about this castle. To the people that lived nearby, this was their bragging rights. This was a symbol of prosperity and money. If you lived near the castle, people would say, well, how can I get to your place? And you would tell them, okay, so you take a right at the castle. Yeah, I know. I live near the castle. And then I'm like three houses down. That's how people talked about it. Like it was like a it was like a landmark when you give directions. It was pride for the neighborhood. But there was a huge difference between the outside of the castle versus the inside, which is kind of similar to serial killers and HH Holmes. So the outside looks so put together. It's almost like this beautiful gothic mansion looks huge, right? But on the inside, it's just not well built. It's like a maze. You know, there's these low, dimmy tight corners and all these weird doors and it smells weird and the walls are peeling. Like, what is happening? Uh, there were trap doors, secret hallways. Almost everything was soundproofed. A little suspicious. Most of the rooms were airtight.
0: No windows?
1: Yeah, most of them didn't have windows and they were airtight and they would have this little vent. It was like a gas vent and the tubes would lead back to Holmes' office where he had this control panel and he could just He could just put whatever gas or liquid through that vent To bring straight to your room I think the most fascinating part about this house Is that he had these greased chutes You know like a trash chute Yes But he had them in specific locations from the second floor And the third floor Where Mm -hmm. it could fit, fit human bodies And it would lead straight into his basement That only he had access to Seems suspicious
0: Hmm. So what is he doing? He's trying to kill people, but he's what he's utilizing the whole
1: place. Yeah. So think about it. if you were a serial killer and you had a bunch of money. Well, mm-hmm. he didn't have a bunch of money, but let's say you were um, and you had a bunch of money. You want to kill people in your house with the ease and convenience. And you want to have all of these, you know, devices of torture. And then you want to clean it up as quickly and as cleanly as possible. How would you do it? That's kind of how he did this. And the whole house itself was like a trap. I mean, the first floor is fine. It almost gives off this like air of safety because it's open to the public. You would Mm. never think that people are murdering people in a place where people are roaming downstairs. That doesn't make sense. It's like right on top of a mall. But then when you get to the second floor, there's trap doors. There's places to get stuck. There's these gas vents where he, you know, throws down gas that just completely knocks you out. And then you wake up chained in like a torture room. And then once he's done torturing you, he's still on the second floor. He can't go through the ground floor to get to the basement with your dead body. Mm -hmm. That's too much work. And that's he could get caught. So he takes you to this secret little chute, like a trash chute, and just throws you down. And you arrive at the cellar, your dead body does. And then he just walks down to the cellar that only he has a key for. And in the cellar, he's got some more devices. So let's start from the very top floor. This floor had a shit ton of rooms too, right? Apparently it had maybe... Thirty rooms. That's what people say. Some people say it had no rooms and it was just all furniture. It's all over the place. But it was just dimly lit, random turns everywhere, dead ends. Doors, some of them were forever locked. Some doors just like didn't open. It, it was bizarre. They had gas pipes leading into the rooms, not for heat, like I said, but, you know, so Holmes could pump any type of gas that he wants into your room. Most of the doors were locked from the outside and homes had the key. And the second floor was even stranger. There's six different hallways. There's 51 doors. Why are there 51 doors? 35 rooms. Most of them had no windows. Airtight, soundproofed. Some of them were just as small as closets. A lot of these rooms had these discreet peepholes for homes to just peer through and stare at you while you're in your room. Trap doors. There were these sliding fake walls. So you could just slide a wall open and suddenly he's in your room without even using the door. Fake rooms, fake trap doors. The trap doors were interesting. So let's say you go to the third floor. You walk into a room and it's just an empty room. White walls and a floor. And so you step on the floor, but it's a fake floor. It opens up and suddenly you fall to the second floor. But this room is terrifying. No windows, no doors to exit. Just you.
0: How does he come in?
1: He's got like a fake little secret door. Yeah. Huh. So you start freaking out.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And then, you know, you start screaming, but it's soundproofed. Gas gets leaked into that room. You pass out. Holmes comes in, takes your passed out unconscious body, and you wake up chained to a torture device. Some rooms would just have higher floors. Like you would have to go up three steps, right? The reason Uh is because there were a bunch of hidden compartments. A lot of the floors were fake. So you would open up the floor and there were just enough space to fit human bodies. Were they stored there? It's hard to say if he stored weapons in the fake floors or dead bodies, or maybe he would put them in there alive because Holmes really liked to suffocate people, but not with strangulation. But in the sense of like, he wanted you to lose air. So that's the second floor. Then the ground floor, it's open to the public. Lots of people in and out. Gives you like this vibe of like a safe building. Now the third floor, the basement. It had this massive oven. Now this oven was a very odd size. And the people later when you know, when detectives come, they would note that This is an odd size. It's too big for a residential oven. Like, are you cooking 25 Thanksgiving turkeys? Like, what's going on? It's just big enough to fit, like, a nice male human body, definitely female body, but it's not big enough to be a commercial oven. Like, it's not big enough to, like, do woodwork or glasswork, you know? It's just, it's like this... I mean, it's perfect for a morgue. That's how everyone said it. It's like the perfect morgue size. He also had a surgical table with all these surgical tools because he is a doctor. He had um, all of these just very interesting implements of torture. So there was something that he called the elasticity determinator, which it sounds fancy, right? And he would tell people, I'm going to be a scientist. I'm going to create a new race of giants. I created this device, and it's honestly a technological marvel. I mean, innovation at its best. You put someone on there, and you stretch them out twice to their normal length. That's amazing. I'm going to create a new race of people. And sometimes he would bring some people down there to show them. But when they looked at it, it was just a straight-up torture device. Just chains on each side, chains for your arms and ch- for your legs, and it would just slowly pull you apart. It's not an elasticity determinator. It looks like an old school torture machine. What are you talking about? But he was convinced that he was going to sell this to some medical school and he was going to make a billion dollars. He had something called the iron torture room where it was just iron all over the walls. And these iron plates behind them, they had these these torches that he could control from his room and he would essentially cook people alive. It would get so hot in there. It was like this massive oven as well. And he just liked watching them getting cooked alive. He had a hanging room specifically dedicated to hanging people. He had this other compartment where it was just, just big enough, like a little closet to fit a human body. But the doors, when you close it, they have these massive long spikes. Yes, another medieval torture device, right? And he would slam it shut and the spikes, they had nowhere to go but inside of you and you would die. So there is a lot of evidence that Holmes really liked to torture people. He didn't really like an easy kill, and there is also some evidence that it was sexual-based. Like, he got off on it sexually. And it wasn't just for, like, insurance scams. So after a body is taken to the basement, they are already dead. They had been tortured. He got what he wanted out of them. He would skin them, remove the flesh, the fat, the organs, clean the bones, and then he starts doing something odd. He starts selling his victim's skeletons to medical colleges for study. And a lot of these medical colleges, because back in the day, they were in need for bodies, right? Mm -hmm. They thought that he was a grave robber. They had no idea that he was a serial killer. They thought, oh, well, this guy keeps bringing us skeletons. It's probably because he's robbing graves for money. And they would pay a lot of money. They'd pay him like $2,000 a body. So once this murder mansion is built, he's so freaking excited, okay? He's ready to torture people. He puts up that drugstore across the street for sale, and this nice little couple from Michigan comes to Chicago, and they're interested. They got a little bit of money from their inheritance. This is the last of it, right? But they see it. They're like, wow, business is booming. Like, we're going to make this money back and more within like a year or two. I mean, but if, if you loved it and if business is so good, why, why are you selling it, Holmes? He Mm -hmm. says, well, let me do what I love. So I got to go do what I love full time now. So they buy the place. They slowly move from Michigan. They open up their shop. Yes, business is amazing. The drugstore is killing it. And then a week later, they see these massive pieces of furniture being moved directly into the castle. You know, the murder mansion. And they see this sign. H.H. Holmes Pharmacy. And he had set up shop inside of his castle on the first ground right across the street. And when they went to go look, I mean, it was a beautiful pharmacy. This was the pharmacy to be at. It made the original one across the street look like a cow shed. So the Michigan couple, they lost everything and they moved back home. I mean, this guy's evil. Like He scammed them out of everything. So even though business was booming, Holmes had a lot of expenses. Keeping up with this castle was not a cheap thing to do. So he wants more money. He starts scamming people. He would invite investors over and show these machines that he created that could, that could have usable gas as a heat source out of thin air. How do you do that? That sounds crazy. Then he would show him and it looked like a washing machine with legs. But then he had these gas pipes that were secretly attached to it. And mm-hmm. he would put in this little liquid and he's like, oh, this is like mixture of water and like some... Extract that's super cheap He would Mm -hmm. put it Into the washing machine And then suddenly Opens the door And gas comes out Mm -hmm. They did not realize That it was attached To a gas pipe Mm. He just made gas (laughs) So they bought it For like $300,000
0: You can make gas too By farting
1: (laughs) (laughs) So then The investors They were scammed out Of $300,000 In today's money By the time That they found out That it didn't work As they were told He starts selling This mineral water At the pharmacy, which was just he added this bitter spice and vanilla extract to the water and said that it's going to cure you. That's why it's so bitter. It's like from the extract of these crazy plants that you can't get here. That sounds like something I would (laughs) fall for. (laughs) He's looking at me like you would totally buy that at Whole Foods. Yes. (laughs) No health benefit at all whatsoever. Now, the other scams, they came in the form of murder. Holmes really liked to hire female secretaries to work at his little murder hotel. And once you're an employee, you have this one rule. You have to have a life insurance policy, you know? It's just, it's just part of the gig. So they would get it, and he would become the sole benefactor. And then he would pay you some money. You'd be a secretary. And then you would just vanish into thin air. And he would have a lot of insurance money. So the first known murder that we have is the murder of Julia Smith. Now, she was a tall woman. This is kind of important to her. She was almost six feet tall. She had this full, beautiful figure. I mean, people said that she was almost hypnotizing. Like, that's how pretty she was. That's how people remembered her. She had these beautiful green eyes. She came from a good family. So everyone was really excited. Like, you were going to marry someone important because you were that. You were as pretty as a picture and as sharp as a tack. The world is your oyster. You come from a well off family. You're going to do so good. I mean, you could marry anyone in the United States technically at this point. So when she chooses to marry a man by the name of Ned, the whole town was shocked. I mean, he was a watchmaker. He's talented. But he's, he's not lazy, but he's one of those guys that, like, no matter how hard he tries, he just keeps failing somehow. And you're like, what? Why isn't this working for you? I don't get it, right? Mm-hmm. But she, she fell in love. So they get married. And it was just off to a shaky start. Julia was convinced that if she married a man like him, she could be the reason for his success, you know, behind every man is a greater woman, like that type of vibe. Like she was going to change him. Like he had the potential and she just had to lead him in that direction, but it just wasn't working. So they start resenting each other. She's like, why can't you just do it? And then he's like, why you knew I couldn't do it. And you married me like what's going on. So then she gets pregnant and everyone's like, Oh geez. Like I hope, I really hope that for the sake of that kid, this like brings them together. She gives birth to a daughter by the name of Pearl and things don't really go well. And then Ned is offered a job to um, run the jewelry shop at the, the castle in Chicago. So Julia's like this is this is amazing. And then when they get there, they're boarding there. That was part of the deal. And now Julia is offered a job as the secretary position at the castle run by Holmes. I mean, this is amazing, right? So her, Ned, and Pearl, who's six years old, they're moving into the castle. They're immediately having the best time of their lives, especially Julia, because Holmes was dead set on seducing Julia. And she was fascinated by the successful man in her life. They start dating. They try to to kind of keep it a secret from Ned, but they're really open about it. So in the end, Ned finds out. Don't get me wrong, I love talking to you guys. And I also love talking to my fiance but some things I just want to talk to a counselor about a licensed professional therapist that can just guide me through some of these intense thoughts in my head. And if you feel that way, and if you feel like maybe there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from just being your best happy self this year, better help will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist that you can actually start communicating with in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help, but it's professional counseling. done. Securely online. They actually cover a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area. The service is also available for clients worldwide. And it's so great because if you guys travel a lot, or maybe you're living abroad right now, you just log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You get a timely and thoughtful response back. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so that you never have to go through that awkwardness of like, Oh man, am I going to run into someone in my waiting room for my therapist's office? Like, How's that conversation going to be? They're also committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. I've actually changed counselors before, and it was super simple, and all their counselors are amazing, but sometimes you just click better with someone else. It's also more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. So visit their website, read their testimonials that are posted daily, because it's not just me. You can actually visit betterhelp.com slash rotten. That's better, H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Fun fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Rotten Mango listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com rotten. A friend tells him, hey, your wife is having an affair with your boss. Like, this is bizarre to tell you. So he's like, well, I- I'm going to leave you. Julia's like, OK, leave.
0: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: <laughs> so he's like, I'm leaving you and Pearl. I'm leaving the baby. She's like, OK, yeah, I'll see you never. So Ned leaves the castle and Julia was completely fine because she was about to marry Holmes. I mean, this wonderful, handsome gentleman with like this successful business. Talk about an upgrade, Right. So Julia starts demanding Holmes to marry her. Months pass and she's like, what's the deal, bro? Like, I, I'm a divorced woman. I need to get remarried. Otherwise, I'm going to be ashamed to the community. Come on, put a ring on it. And then out of nowhere, she claims that she's pregnant. It seems like she probably was. And it probably was Holmes's baby. And he's really upset by this. So he thinks, I got to play my cards right. So he convinces Julia, I already have a baby. Right? From, my, from Myrda, my wife that doesn't live with me. Well. <laughs> you have a baby pearl that's not mine i mean do we really need a third baby like i'm gonna i'm gonna treat pearl like she's my baby so why don't we abort the baby that you have right now that's the only way that i will marry you otherwise it's just too much responsibility it's just too much money for all these kids so she thinks about it and she says okay fine but what how do i do it and he says well i'm a doctor so i can perform the abortion and i will do it downstairs in my basement so tonight On Christmas Eve let's go down to the basement and I'll make sure that it goes perfectly smooth but you need a rest before okay so why don't you lay down in bed and I will put your daughter Pearl to bed in another room and I'll come get you so he goes to put Pearl down and she will never be seen from again so he's like okay now Julia let's go downstairs and she too will never be seen from again now coincidentally a medical college nearby gets a cadaver like a skeleton mounted on like one of those things and and this doctor's looking at it and they're like wow how much should we pay six thousand dollars for this skeleton i mean it is a marvelous skeleton you know what's fascinating i've never seen a female skeleton that was almost six feet tall that's crazy
0: oh my god
1: so now holmes has killed julia He's got no girlfriend, and he seems sad about this. So his best friend, Benjamin, is like, well, you don't need Julia anyway. It seems like Benjamin had no idea about the murder, just thought that they broke up. So he's like, you don't need her. I'll find you a new girlfriend. In comes a woman by the name of Emmeline Sigrand from a rehab center that she, he had met her at. She's 24 years old, seems innocent. Everyone describes her like a flower. I don't like that phrase, but everyone that's how everyone describes her, okay? So he hires her to be his secretary, paying her like $2,000 a month, and just starts her, taking to these fancy dinners, buying her little gifts. And she she's an innocent woman. I mean, she's expecting marriage from this. In the 1800s, you just don't date like this unless you're trying to get married. You don't have sex unless you get married. It's just the way that it was working. So he kept saying, of course, of course, I'll propose soon. Don't you worry. Why don't you tell your family that you're going to get married to a Robert E. Phillips? And she's like, what? But your name is H.H. H. Holmes. And he says, well... <sighs> You know, I, I've been divorced before, so I don't want to burden your family with that type of information. I don't want them to be like, oh, my God, a divorcee? This is a sin, right? So so just tell them I'm Robert E. Phillips. So she writes letters to them. Oh, my God, I met this man, Robert E. Phillips. I'm so stoked. We're going to Europe for our honeymoon. I've never been to Europe. But apparently, he goes to Europe a lot. So again, this is fueling the Jack the Ripper you know, conspiracy later. Mm. So he goes to Europe a lot. We're going to Europe. And Holmes starts wedding planning and all of that. And then December of that year, he asks Emmeline to go into his vault, his bank vault that he stole, technically, to get something. Some papers in there. So she gets in. She's like, oh, Holmes, like, I can't find the papers. And he just casually walks up, shuts the door, and locks it. And he pulls up a chair, and he just listens. So it said that she seemed shocked at first, and then panicked, and then absolute terror kicks in. She starts screaming. She wouldn't stop for like at least a couple hours, and he was so turned on by her screaming in pure fear that he took off his pants and masturbated right there into a handkerchief in front of that bank vault, listening to her scream. The thought of the oxygen supply getting depleted with every scream, that thought seemed to really excite him. And then he sold another skeleton to a medical college. Another woman. We wonder what happened to her. Maybe a disease. And then another woman named Edna Van Tassel disappeared around this time. And Holmes just didn't need another mistress after this because he had big plans. Chicago had big plans. Okay, the Chicago World Fair was happening. And Holmes could literally make a killing from this. This was the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus arriving in America onto stolen land. And it was like the Olympics, but just like celebrating America. Like this was just full on celebration. 200,000 people showed up on the opening day. And for the next couple of weeks, millions of people would come from all across the country and the world to go to the Chicago Fair. People were mortgaging their farms to have one trip to Chicago. (laughs) People were selling their stoves, like the cooktop stoves, to come visit the fair.
0: Wow. Because there
1: was like a 1,500 pound statue made out of chocolate. Honestly, that sounds really gnarly. Sounds kind of cool. So the housing demand was really intense. I mean, back in the day, you don't have like, um, trivago (laughs) hotel trivago like you didn't have that you don't have trip advisor so you would actually just show up to a place and hope that there's hostels or boarding somewhere and a lot of the boarding would be personal homes like kind of an airbnb but with no regulations people just be like oh i have a room and you would go in pay them in cash and just sleep there that night so the castle nearly every single room was booked every single night during this freaking fair We don't know how many people came in there because it's not a hotel. There's no like bookings. There's no, you know, a log of this. But we do know that a lot of them never made it home. Whether they stayed in Chicago, ran away from their family, whether some other misfortune, you know, came to them. We don't know. But we do know that at least 50 for sure never returned. But it could be upwards of 200 people.
0: Holy moly. And nobody tracks it. No. Because there's so many people.
1: And you, how do you tell your parents, you know? Oh, because right. I'm sure if they were trying to write a letter, you think Holmes would actually send out those letters? Probably not. It said that a lot of them were probably cremated in his basement. Some of them were dissolved in acid. And um, some of the corpses were sold to medical colleges. Now during this time he gets a new girlfriend by the name of Minnie Williams and he hires her as a secretary and met this was like his method of getting a mistress right and all of Holmes's friends they were confused they just kept telling him I mean but all your other girlfriends were so hot like what's going on with this one very rude stuff okay but they were like what, what why do you, what do you see in her I mean she's just not as hot as Julia and all these other girls and he's like what don't say that come on But there was something Minnie was about to inherit a house in Texas in uh, Dallas, Texas, actually, that cost over a million dollars. So Holmes was fascinated by this. A million dollars is a million dollars. But her sister was on the deed too. So if Minnie dies, there's still one other person, right? Mm-hmm. So he he's like coming up with this plot. He somehow convinces Minnie to sign the deed over to him. But now he's got two obstacles. Minnie's got to die. And then her sister's got to die. And then he's going to get that million dollar house. So he starts dating her. And he invites, he, he calls up Nanny, which is Minnie's sister. And he says, hey. I'm your sister's new boyfriend. Well, he writes a letter, okay? And he's like, I want you to surprise visit, Minnie. I want want to pick you up from the train stop. On this day, I'm going to take you to the fair, and it'll be so amazing. You're going to see your sister for the first time in years, and I'm going to take both of you guys to the Chicago fair, and it'll just be amazing. Look, I just want to get to know you because maybe I'm your future brother-in-law. So she accepts and she shows up and she's excited. She's got all her bags and he's like, oh, it's so wonderful. It's meeting you. Like, let me show you around. So he feeds her lunch and then he gets back to the hotel, the murder hotel. And he says, oh, she's right in this room. And he opens the vault door and she's like, she's in the vault? That's weird. And he pushes her in and locks it shut.
0: So she he turned that vault into a killing machine. Yeah wow
1: so there's speculation that there was some sort of acid on the ground of the vault that um seared her foot her feet because when the investigators came in later they found imprints of like her skin had just kind of fallen off on the walls like it looked like she had been trying to kick a wall but her skin had like stayed on so that seems like some work of acid right
0: yeah 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 that makes sense he probably made it really really painful insane in there yeah
1: so she's just screaming and soon he came up to Minnie and was like let me show you where your sister is and took her to a different room to torture her so both the william sisters died they were murdered by holmes Around this time, all the people that he scammed, they also start coming knocking on his door. Now, this is that. That's why it's kind of important that he tried to kill these girls because he needed to move. So he's like, if I have that million dollar house in Dallas, that could be my second like murder castle 2.0. That was the game plan. Right. Because right now, all these creditors, they're knocking on my door. They're bringing their own henchmen now. They're pissed. They want their money. They want they want all their, you know, shitty invention money back. So I got to do something. Okay, arson. So he sets the house on fire to conceal not only his murders, but he has insurance. But for some reason, only the top floor burns. And he is suspected of arson. So the insurance company does not even pay him out. And he decides to flee.
0: The insurance company, after he killing 50, <laughs> well, all <laughs> these people. They're like, yeah, I'll pay you. Yeah. And then he's trying to burn his house down. They're like, nah.
1: No, you're a shady guy. You know? <laughs>
0: he trying to burn his... Whole murder mentioned down? Whole, yeah. Wow.
1: So then he leaves. Now, before he leaves, he, of course, marries another woman by the name of Georgiana York. They met, they get married, they go on the run together. But, of course, she has no idea that they're on the run. She thinks that he's this, you know, wonderful, beautiful, successful businessman and they're just going from town to town doing business. Uh, You know, Mr. International. Like, that's what she thought the whole time. So they're going from all these different places. They make it to Texas, just traveling all over the place. He ends up scamming more people out of, like, A lot of money like hundreds of thousands of dollars new identities and in the next six months they go from fort worth texas denver st louis memphis philadelphia new york i mean just insane but they need more money because the house is falling through there were multiple family members that came forward from the williams sister that was like whoa you're weird you know we're like her uncle what are you doing here So he's like okay that's a little bit weird they're gonna start asking questions about where the sisters are so i can't go there i don't have this you know backup murder mansion now so what do I do? Okay. That insurance scam that I did in college, I can do that now. So he calls up his best friend, Benjamin. Well, he writes to him and it's like, I need you to come down to Texas. I've got a money making opportunity. Benjamin, you leave your wife and your five kids. And I promise you, you're going to come back a rich man. So Benjamin gets on a train, meets him in Texas, and they sit down and Holmes tells him, tells him the plan. Listen, I did this in college. Okay. We're going to get away with it. I'm going to fake your death i'm gonna find a body that looks just like you okay well not just like you but your height your build and um we're gonna say that you're dead because you have a life insurance of like three hundred thousand dollars in today's money and we're gonna use his body to prove that you're dead but of course we're gonna burn his face off so that your family can identify the body and we get all this money and we can split it and it'll be amazing right don't you think so All we need is just like a super shady lawyer To help us really make sure that we get that insurance money Well, And of course we need a corpse Mm -hmm. So while they're planning this In the middle of it Holmes gets arrested for a serious crime One of the worst crimes to get arrested for in Texas You're thinking murder, arson, fraud No, he stole a horse Okay, Texans do not fuck with horses They do not fork with horses like that, okay If you steal someone's horse that's like a death sentence you're better off going to jail what? texans will kill you over a horse back in the day uh. like in the 1800s that's how they settle it they'll kill you it's really scary <laughs> So he goes to jail and he meets a man by the name of Marion Hedgepeth This is one of the worst outlaws at the time This is like one of those guys that they make those Western movies about he likes to rob trains and he was a violent robber He would kill people here and there. I mean just a really bad dude overall You just don't want to be friends with this guy, but Holmes immediately they start, you know shooting the talk Oh, what'd you do? Oh, I stole a horse. Oh, I did this. Oh, i done this You know my murder castle obviously he didn't say murder castle, but like I have this crazy I was trying to burn it down for our sin. And he's like, I just need, I've got this perfect opportunity. I'm going to fake my own death. That's what he said. I'm going to fake my own death. And um, I'm going to get my life insurance money. Do you have a shitty, like a shady attorney that you can refer me to? And Marianne Hedgepeth being the bad criminal. He's like, yeah, I got an attorney. So he says, OK, if you give me $15,000 of that $300,000 you're getting from that life insurance, you're going to mail it to me. I will give you the name of a shady attorney that can help you with this. And they shake on it. He gets that shady attorney. Holmes gets out of jail and meets up with that attorney. And they start putting this plan to work, right? So Benjamin agrees to all of this. As long as his wife and five kids get most of the money for it. Because it would mean that he would have to spend time away from his family. And on top of that, his family would have to be in on it. Like, you would have to tell, you know, his wife. You have to make sure that you tell the insurance agent that that's your dead husband there. Mm. We can never be seen in public ever again together. Like, we got to move towns. Are you okay with this? So, we need to take most of the money, right? So, he's saying all of this. And Holmes is like, absolutely. Don't worry, okay? Go tell your family. And then we got to put you in hiding. It's going to be fine. We just need to find a corpse. So Holmes starts thinking, okay, well, if the corpse, we have to burn their entire face off, how do we do it in a way where the insurance company doesn't think it's suspicious, right? Because they've, they've gotten smarter these days. Okay, maybe, maybe we make it seem like this person is like some sort of inventor, maybe like a patent officer for inventions, and he's in the lab making a little invention, and there's a tragic lab explosion. It kills him. Leaves his face completely unrecognizable because he was mixing all these chemicals. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, let's do this. So he starts planning it out. They finish the jobs. Holmes, his job is to find a cadaver that matches Benjamin. You know, Benjamin's family, their job is to ID the body. And Benjamin, his whole job is try not to drink himself to death before this. But right before the plan is executed, they've got the body and everything. Okay, Benjamin starts freaking out. Says, what if, what if I get caught? Like my kids, like what would they think of their dad? You know, forever. I can't show up to any events with them. It's just too much on the line. I don't think it's worth it. Holmes realizes in the middle of this conversation that Benjamin really isn't going to do it. But he needs some money. So Holmes is like, ah, okay, don't worry about it. Just let's drink. Okay, maybe, maybe some shots in you and you'll feel a little bit different. Gets Benjamin super drunk, gets some chloroform on his handkerchief and smothers Benjamin with it And burns his face off Because the easiest way to make the insurance company Believe that it's Benjamin Is for it to be Benjamin
0: Does the wife know later? No She'll find
1: out after he gets caught So they have Benjamin's little daughter ID her dad's body. So the sources are split here. Some say that um, the parents made the kids really believe that the dad was dead to really sell it to the insurance agents, which that is traumatizing for a kid to ID the body, right? Some say that she knew it was a scam and she faked it and she identified what later found out to be was the real dead body of her dad. So either way, incredibly traumatic. Okay, so she identifies the body And the money was supposed to get split They received that like $300,000 Which was only $10,000 back in the day But you get it in today's money And the whole, I mean the insurance company was suspicious About the whole thing They had reservations since the beginning Because the body was just found in a way that it didn't make sense But the little girl was so distraught The family was so poor They didn't want to be known as that insurance company That refused to give a poor family with five children money When their sole income earner tragically died Okay, that's like really bad marketing so they give the family the money and the plan was for them to split it most of them would go to benjamin's lawyer some of them to the shady lawyer some of them to the guy in jail and then holmes would get a cut but holmes is like what that doesn't make sense you know i had to kill benjamin i did not do the work why should they get most of the money okay i'm gonna keep the money but the only way to keep the money is if this family is no longer breathing down his back. So he tells the family, okay, like, we're going to go meet your dad, Carrie, which is Benjamin's wife. We're going to go take you to meet Benjamin. He's in hiding, but we can't travel like this. Like the insurance company, they're they're spooked out. They're kind of suspicious of you. If we travel with a single woman with five children, I mean, they know what they're looking for. So we got to split up, okay? That's the easiest way. I will take three kids. Okay, you take two kids And we'll just kind of float around the United States And then eventually we'll go to Toronto And meet um, Benjamin Sound good? So they split up By the way, this whole time He's still married So while he's traveling the country He's traveling not only with the three kids of Benjamin But making sure Benjamin's wife and the other kids are traveling But he's also moving his wife around the country And like putting her into hostels Like into boarding houses And then just visiting her once in a while and oh, being so like, he's
0: still hanging out with his wife
1: Yeah, and being like, hey babe, sorry You know how business be And then she'd be like, okay, love you, bye
0: The very first wife
1: No, this is his uh, third wife Oh, okay Yeah, Georgiana, very confusing stuff It's a little bit weird, the 1800s had some weird Relationships going on, okay, she was just like Oh yeah, business, makes sense, bye And he would leave You might be able to call me the best sister in the world. Actually, scratch that. Do call me the best sister in the world. Because my sister was talking about how she wanted to visit LA, wanted to be near the water. It's summertime, right? But she just doesn't have the time. She's got this new baby. She's got work. So I decided to surprise her with some outdoor furniture. Because outdoor furniture, for me, this summer, has just changed the game, okay? It makes me feel happy to be in the sun. I feel comfortable. And I got her some pieces from Article, which is one of my favorite furniture places. They've got this new outdoor collection called the seaside retreat and this handpicked series furniture is just elegantly designed i mean they have these natural materials that are complemented by pops of these bold blues yellows greens i mean it genuinely feels like you're at the beach even if there's no water in your backyard an article is one of the easiest ways to make your space just look so beautiful it combines the curation of a boutique furniture store with the comfort and simplicity of shopping online because i really hate going into a furniture store and everyone's just staring at me sitting on a couch and I'm just like, oh, hey, do you want to sit with me? <laughs> they also have a team of designers that focus on beautifully crafted pieces, quality materials, and durable construction. And they have really cute stuff. I mean, they're inspired by a variety of modern design aesthetics. So think mid-century, Scandinavian, industrial, bohemian, and the fair prices are my favorite part. Like you can save up to 30% over traditional retail prices. They keep their prices low because they cut out that middleman and they sell directly to you. So no Showrooms, no salespeople, no retail markups, and they have fast, affordable shipping across the USA and Canada, and it's free on orders over $999. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. So go to article.com/rotten and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com/rotten to get $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. So eventually, Holmes starts getting more and more annoyed. You know, the kids are separated from their mom. They're whining. They're crying. And so he decided, now better than later, so he kills all three of them. So Howard, it's suspected that he was poisoned and then dismembered and cooked on top of a stove. The detectives later actually found remnants of human body parts on top of the stove, like in a pot.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Alice and Nellie, the two girls, they were forced to climb into a wooden box. He drilled a hole into the box and put a pipe through it, filled it with gas, and once they were dead, he stripped them naked. And buried them in the floor of the basement. So these are, Alice and Nellie are the only bodies that they'll find alive and put together. So we find skeletonized bodies. We find some body parts in the murder house. But these are the two bodies that were found as is. And because they were stripped naked, it just, that that leads to the speculation that he killed for some sort of sexual pleasure. It didn't make sense to strip them naked of their clothes. There Mm -hmm. wasn't really distinct clothes. It wasn't anything like that. It was just bizarre. So Holmes, you know, keeps going back to Benjamin's wife and other kids, thinking about how he's going to kill them. He doesn't really seem to have a plan at this point, And he doesn't do this one thing that just puts a whole... I mean, this, this is the reason he gets cut. Remember that guy in prison, the criminal? Mm-hmm. He forgot to send him the $15,000. So this criminal sitting in jail, getting more and more pissed. He sees on the news, like a newspaper clipping, that Benjamin is dead. And he's like, well, isn't that that guy that Holmes said he was friends with that was on the news? Huh. So he calls up his lawyer and he says, I want to make a deal with the police. So he tells them everything. Holmes you know is setting up this fake Insurance fraud blah 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 blah. I mean he doesn't really know the full Extent of anything just fake insurance Fraud so -hmm. the police they start high I Mean well it wasn't really the police The Pinkertons actually start tracking Down yeah the Pinkerton detective agency They start tracking down Carrie Pitzel And um, H.H. Holmes they find Carrie first Benjamin's wife and they tell her the Truth we think that your husband's dead And she's in shock she's like um what yeah, and your husband is dead. Holmes is probably the killer. And now he's with your three children. Like, we've got to find out where they are. So she starts freaking out. Pinkerton, they, they go surveilling every town. I mean, they are following through everything because there's no phones and letters take too long. And they don't even know where he would have stayed. So they're going from town to town to town, just finding, like showing pictures, giving descriptions. Has anyone seen this person? And finally, they find him and they arrest him. But he's not with the three kids. He's completely alone. And he tells the police, I didn't kill anyone. It was all insurance fraud. I didn't kill Benjamin. That was a cadaver I got from the morgue. That's not Benjamin. And they say, no, 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 we know it's Benjamin. We're pretty sure it is. And he says, well, if it's Benjamin, then he committed suicide. Why would he do that? Well, I mean, he's an alcoholic. He hated his life. That's why. Okay, well, where are the children? Um, the children are with my friend. What's her name? Minnie Williams. Remember, the woman he killed for her property in Texas? Mm. So they search everywhere, okay? They don't find Minnie Williams. They don't find the bodies, nothing. So they have to tell Carrie that, yes, Holmes murdered Benjamin, but he also murdered your three children. That's when the police find out that there's a Hotel of Horrors in Chicago. When the detectives arrive at the Hotel of Horrors, or the murder castle, let's say, there were just scratches all over the walls. Like, inside of these rooms, deep scratches, dents. It looks like people were bumping into the walls, trying to escape. I mean, something torturous happened in here. They go from room to room. They find more and more of the torture devices. They find remnants of even six-year-old Pearl down in the basement. I mean, this was a really, really Six devastating pearl the daughter of julia
0: oh yeah they found the body
1: they found remnants of her body Like her bones. So it was evident that she had passed there. I mean, she was murdered there, right? So the annoying thing about interviewing with H.H. Holmes is that sometimes he would say he killed 27 people. The next day, he would say, oh, I only killed two people, but it was an accident. And then he would go back to 27. I mean, it was just nonstop. And the only thing that made it more frustrating is that newspapers were trying to contact Holmes and pay him and give him a number. They would say, if you tell them, if you tell the police that you killed 50 people, We'll give you like $10,000 because we want a headline that says you killed 50 people. So he would just kind of go back and forth like I killed all these people. And it was kind of smart for Holmes to do this because he would sit there and he would list 27 people that he killed. The police would go on this wild goose hunt, find these people, and some of them were still alive. Or some of them died of natural causes far, far away from H.H. Holmes. So this casted a lot of doubt on like, oh, did he really kill people? Well, that's what he thought that it would happen. But the police, they found so much evidence inside that murder house. They find the evidence of Benjamin's kids and even Benjamin that they were like, okay, no, we're going to trial. And this trial was explosive. I mean, at one point, Holmes is his own lawyer. And he's just doing the absolute most. So then he gets found guilty of Benjamin's murder. And he was sentenced to an execution by hanging. So on May 7th of 1896. He was
0: only charged for one person? Yeah.
1: Because he was going to get hung anyway. Okay. Super calm, not scared, walks in. And at this point, there was a bunch of people there to watch. This was like the biggest execution that year. That's a weird sentence to say. Okay. This was like the biggest event of the year. Okay. People are showing up. They're terrified. And it's just like another day for him. And he gets up there and the way that they were supposed to hang him is that they put a noose around his neck and he's on like this massive platform. They just kind of kick him off the platform. That's how you hang people, I guess. So that kick and this height is supposed to snap your neck instantly. So it's technically death by hanging, but it's more of like you snap your neck and you're dead, right? But -hmm. for whatever reason, when he jumped off this platform or was pushed, his neck didn't snap. So he asphyxiated to death. For the next 20 minutes in front of a crowd of people. Just 15 minutes of him twitching. His eyes were bulging. His veins were popping. He did not snap his neck. This was not...
0: There was This wasn't planned.
1: Yeah. I mean, people were terrified. So after he dies, he had one wish. He says, okay... I never really fulfilled any of these wishes for the people that I killed, but I want my grave. He said this
0: before he died. Yeah, he said, I
1: want my grave to be 10 feet in the ground and I want my coffin encased in cement because he didn't want people to dig him up and use his bones or dissect him, which is exactly what he did to his victims. So it's like, what are you saying? But they did it. I don't know why they followed with this and that's exactly how they buried him. And soon after that, a caretaker for the murder castle. I mean, it doesn't seem like he had any doings with any of these murders or any inside knowledge. Right. But he committed suicide. And the only note that he said was just, I couldn't sleep. I mean, I can only imagine even being a caretaker for a place like that. I feel like I couldn't sleep. Even Mm -hmm. if there were no murders that happened there. It's terrifying. Right. And then a weird thing came out in 2017. So the descendants of H.H. H. Holmes speculated that Holmes didn't die. I mean, this has been a rumor that's been brewing since the day of his execution in the 1800s that Holmes had somehow found an unlucky fellow, put him in his place and, you know, had him pretend to be Holmes and he went on to live. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that this has become almost like a legend, right? It's almost not even a true crime story. It's just like this like tale that we tell, right? So people think maybe it wasn't him. Maybe there's some paranormal work. There's just a lot of these allegations. So the descendants of the Holmes family believed this story and they wanted his body exhumed. So in 2017, yeah, very recently, Holmes' body was dug up. And this is where it gets creepy because he was, you know, buried 10 feet below the ground surface. And Uh because his coffin was encased in cement, they said that he didn't decompose much and his clothes... Oh, he was mummified? Yeah, his clothes were perfectly intact. And specifically, his mustache was almost perfect still.
0: Wow. Just
1: bizarre. But they ran some DNA tests. And yes, he was Holmes. And he was reburied. Wow. So before we end this podcast, the whole conspiracy with Jack the Ripper, right? So Jack the Ripper, I'm sure everybody knows about this case, but um, essentially like the most unknown weird mystery in serial killer land okay this happened in london he killed sex workers and he did it in such a brutal way i mean he would slit their throats in the middle of the dark london streets he would you know mutilate them disembowel them cut off their breasts Just, it was really harsh stuff and he was never caught for any of this. There was a lot of speculation that this person must be from some medical background because he ripped out these women's wombs perfectly. I mean, the precision of his cuts, it just didn't make sense for him not to be a medical professional. A lot of witnesses who said that they saw Jack the Ripper in London during his crimes, they did a composite sketch. If you compare it to pictures of H.H. Holmes, they do look very similar. The pictures were taken to former FBI agents and a lot of them said, I don't know, from my experience with composite sketches, it does look very similar. Some people tested the handwriting of H.H. Holmes and Jack the Ripper because Jack the Ripper wrote letters taunting people. And some people said, you know, it could be a match. It could be a good match. Holmes had even written in like letters that he would send to his close friends that he wanted to go to London. He loves London. He just talked a lot about London. He even had a friend in London. And I think the main speculation comes from the fact that Jack the Ripper, I mean, he was killing with increasing frequency. And then suddenly he just stopped. Serial killers don't really stop until they're caught. Maybe they're dead. Mm -hmm. Because once, I mean, they're like addicted to the kill. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: why did he just stop out of nowhere? Maybe he didn't stop. Maybe he just relocated to the United States.
0: But the killing style is very different, no?
1: But we don't know for sure. Because we really only have the bodies of the kids, which he wasn't in his comfort zone, right? That was more of like a desperate, like his life is falling apart. He's like trying to make things work, but we don't know what happened inside of the murder house. So I mean, it's okay
0: if you put it that way. See,
1: the problem with this theory that I have, though, right, is uh-huh. I can talk myself into each option. Like, yeah. if I want to believe it's the same person, I could sit here and talk myself into that. But then in reality, I feel like when I think about it for two seconds, I'm like, okay, but like, what are the odds, you know? And like, how can we say that there's only one evil serial killer in the world at at once? I mean, yeah. look at how many serial killers there are right now it's got to be two different people right yeah but it is fun to try to tie the two cases together a little bit
0: yeah that would be crazy
1: yeah that'd be wild we'll never know
0: like two of the biggest names yeah turn out to be one person that's crazy
1: what would we call him okay that's good (laughs) that's a really good one i love your input on this one you know so um the cops decided there was a detective who was working on this case and he decided to turn the murder castle into a disneyland attraction don't sue me not a disneyland but essentially he wanted to give guided tours of the murder castle pay people per entrance fee but right before he was even able to get this business started it burnt down Mm. and there there were two people seen exiting the building before it blew up So it is arson, but those people were also never caught. Mm -hmm. The building blew up, but the outside of it stayed around until it was torn down in 1938. And that is the crazy story of H.H. Holmes. Well, the alleged story, because, you know, I mean, it's been how long? How much of this do we know for a fact? How much of it is speculation? How much of it is just putting the pieces together? And what parts were altered during, you know, trying to make it more dramatic and more crazy? I still think it's wild. I mean, I think it's infamous for the fact that imagine a serial killer does build a house. This is the house they would build. Creepy. Don't let serial killers become architects. And I hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast. And I'll see you guys on Sunday for the mini Bye!